jealousy is beautiful. It jealousy allows us to see what's in someone else that maybe isn't awake within us. I love that. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. Okay, I would like to welcome Andrea onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. Andrea, how are we doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm doing great as well. Thank you for asking. So we just had a brief conversation prior to this show starting in terms of navigating where we're going to go because obviously I'm conscious that I want to give the audience the best possible information, but also I know your story has so many facets to it that will massively help them so I'm very excited to have you on the show you was also a recommendation from a good friend Eric who was on a previous show and that show was an absolute hit as well where he helped us so much as well so firstly thank you to Eric hopefully he's watching this as well but more importantly thank you to you Andrea for coming on today so before we begin and I kind of dissect what I want to get from your interview and what I want to basically extract from your mind to help the listeners tell us about yourself tell us what brings you to where you are today because right now your bio will read self-love, emotional eating, and food and body. All of those things are things that I absolutely love. Or at some stage, I've had a love-hate relationship with, which I'm sure many of the audience will have had too. So what brings you here today and find your voice? Yeah, so let's take it way back. No, I'm just kidding. I'll make it short. I'll make it short. Um, no, yeah, so I am Venezuelan, and I've come from, and I don't want to say like generalize any kind of society or anything like that. I grew up in a household where I was told really that looks were very important, pretty much. Like my sister was a model and my mom as well. And it was very, you know, and so I saw at a very young age, I developed this belief of I'm not good enough unless I look a certain way, pretty much. So it continued to grow during high school, during college. I actually did some modeling myself, did some pageant shows, and it was just this obsession with food and obsession with diet and look a certain way and control my food and control different aspects around it. And so I became really obsessed with it. And I developed an eating disorder. I was bulimic for around six years after high school and college. I was an engineering major in college for three years. And as I was an engineering major, I almost graduated as an engineer and I dropped it. And I was like, I need to go into nutrition. I need to figure out what's going on with me so that then I can help other women. I never want anyone to go through this. You think like, okay, cool, you're eating a little extra food. It controls your entire life when you're in it like that. So I hated going through it. I didn't want anyone else to go through it. I started doing the work on myself so that I could then help other women. I switched my major to nutrition. I was in school for like eight years. I, uh, I started learning that piece, became a nutritionist, became a personal trainer, became a health coach. I did all the things to kind of, to be able to heal myself and others. But the more I did, the more I was like, this isn't it. People know not to eat cookies and they know, they know to eat my vegetables. So what's going on, right? Like why are people still eating? Why do we do what we do? I was still, I was a nutritionist and I was still binging. I'm the fakest nutritionist out there. (laughs) I can't, like I'm still binging on cookies. So it was this really hard part for me until I started going into emotions, psychology, self-love. It just opened up 
so much for me. And it really, it, it's, it's made such a huge difference in my life. Like I never in a million years thought I would be in the place that I am today. Because before the whole conversation was around food. And I started realizing it has nothing to do with food. Food is just the way that we numb. Right? Like, it's just the way we numb, just like alcohol, just like drugs, social media, sex, like people use all of these things mm. to numb ways to avoid their feelings, mm-hmm. ways to avoid the emotionality to almost get out of their bodies. Because I know when I'm been, when I was binging, it, it was like an out of body experience. Absolutely. Like you're not even there. Mm. Right. So I started realizing all of these things and it's just, it's made such a huge difference, such a huge difference. So that's a little bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So one of the things you just said there is why we do what we do. Now, one of my fascinations is exactly that sentence. I'm always trying to understand why people do what they do, more so myself as well. So we spoke before this show that I suffered with binge eating and you mentioned it at the end. It's like an out of body experience. I'm almost kind of watching myself just gorge until literally there's no food left in the cupboard or in the fridge. But one of the questions I want to ask you, which I found quite interesting was, you said at one point you needed to figure out what was going on with you. And I feel that very often in life, many of us may be listening to this and myself included at some stage, we're just going through the motions and we're not actually like reflecting on what we're actually doing. You had that moment of realization when you're like, hold on a second, something is wrong here. I need to heal myself. When did that occur or what was the trigger point behind that? Yes. So my trigger was really in realizing that how much was hurting my mom. So the moment that I had to tell my mom what was going on, it really, it, it struck me so much how much it really was hurting her, not only myself, because I could hurt myself all day long. I could, you know, that doesn't matter. I can, we'll do so much more for others than we will for ourselves. So when I started seeing how much I was hurting my family, that was a huge trigger for me. And then not only that, but then once I came back home to try to heal everything and I went into a, a, um, a rehab center for, for bulimia, I started looking around and I was like, wow, this is, this can't be my life. This is. And so I was only there for a couple of days and I, I got out. I fit, I had to do this on myself. I had to figure things out for myself. Wow. Wow. You've probably worked with clients now who have gone through a similar situation to yourself, whether it's bulimia or whether it's binge eating disorders. What trigger points have you seen for them as well? Or is it a case of you working with them and trying to figure that out? A little bit of both, a little bit of both. Uh, A lot of people that I work with aren't as severe. If someone has very, very severe bulimia eating disorders, I, I do sometimes just refer them to I mean, they can still do my program all day. I would love them to do that, but I do refer them out to a doctor. Um, Just some things are out of scope of practice, but uh, the women that I do work with a lot are emotional eaters. And really it's like a lot of the women I work with, they figured stuff out already. Like they, and, and men they're, you know, they have a good job. They have, but they can't figure out their body and their food and this whole self-love piece. They're just kind of beating themselves up, the inner critic, um, you know, self-sabotage. So they come to a point where they're like, why can't I figure this piece out of my life? Like there's this one thing that continues to, to everything else is great, but why is, does this one thing continue to replay? Why do I continue to gain weight? And then I lose weight and then I binge and then I gain it back. And so this yo-yo dieting, this inner critic, this self-sabotaging. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said a few things there was the self-love and the inner critic. And then obviously the one thing, and just before we started the show, I mentioned uh, what I like to call my beauty spot, not my mole on my, on my left cheek here. And there was a stage of my life where I was really contemplating 
getting it removed and I was going through the surgery um, and I went back on that decision. I ended up keeping it. Hence, you can still see it here today. Yeah, like yourself, you you kindly said at the beginning, it looks cool. And a lot of people around me said, it's fine. It's, it's your personality, it's your character. Some people didn't even recognize I had one until I, I said it. But that one comment from that one person who may have said it to me in that moment, I mean, I can't remember it off the top of my head. It probably changed my the way I looked at myself. I started to critique myself. And although I had all these compliments, it was that one thing. And I suppose this is a bit like with social media as well, where you can have a hundred beautiful comments and then you get that one message that just really plays with you. And I'm sure you see a lot of that in your work as well, especially with the self-love. Yes. And you replay it in your head and you replay it and you replay it and you replay it. And the thing that we have to realize too, is that whatever anyone else thinks has nothing to do with us and everything to do with them. And so I know that that sometimes is a really hard concept for people to wrap their heads around. But if someone's say, like if someone gets triggered, it's an opportunity for them to heal whatever's going on with them. Like if you're getting, same with you, if you're getting triggered and you're getting angry because of something and you're lashing out at someone, there's something that's not yet healed within yourself. So everyone else is just, it's, our biggest enemies are our biggest teachers and there's our biggest opportunity for growth. So when we, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to fully understand that when someone else gets triggered at you or when someone else critiques you or when someone else is saying something to you, if it's not coming from this loving place of actually wanting to help you get better and grow, it's really, it's their, their stuff that they have to deal with. You know, and so, and same with us, when we get triggered, it's our biggest opportunity to look inside and we can either numb that trigger. We can project that trigger on someone else and lash out on them and be like, you know, you made me feel this way. So you're the problem when really, or we can really look inside, be like, what do we need to heal here? And then there's the growth, right? So it's that growth versus Versus let me just project it and continue to, to hold all this inside. And then how many times do we get triggered about the same thing over and over and over again? It's like, we got to pay attention, right? There's something there to heal. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there with paying attention. And that comes obviously down to like self-awareness, but I love that quote, your biggest enemies are your biggest teachers. And that quote initially about, it says more about that person who's saying it as opposed to yourself. We've all seen that. We've seen it on Instagram. We've seen it on the tweets and sometimes we just like it, but we're not really understanding the message or processing the message and we have to understand that message so one of my I suppose chapters of my life in the last year has been self-awareness really trying to understand why we do what we do which is what we spoke about earlier and myself so I have a very very calm nature I'm very laid back I'm very relaxed I'm quite an introvert to be completely honest with you this is like the most extroverted thing I'd ever do speaking to somebody uh, on a camera but one of the things I do struggle with is there are triggers in my life where I can go from zero to a hundred in terms of my anger. And initially it was always their fault for triggering me off. I'd always say that. And I'd say it to the wife. I'd say, actually, it's your fault. You're lighting the match. Actually, it's not. It's it's my choice. And it's me making that decision to go there. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in that process now of trying to heal myself. I'm, I'm by no means there at all. But just recognizing that I can't say how uplifting and powerful it is because I know the same Aaron 12 months ago, wouldn't have done that. So I think a message for anyone listening, maybe, maybe obviously to reach out to yourself, see the stuff that you say in your videos. I think your videos are very, very helpful, but we need to assess why we do what we do. And if it is something that's not serving us, i.e. becoming angry, becoming frustrated, that needs to be healed. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I know I'm sure a lot of your listeners, a lot of people deal with anger. And I think that what we have to realize as well is that emotions are just there's there's no good or bad emotions. Right. Like when we label an emotion as bad or an emotion is good, then if we're feeling if we're feeling a good emotion and then it leaves and there's a sense of loss. And then if we have a bad emotion, then we're bad because we're having this bad emotion. Right. So if there's if they're neutral, emotions are information. It's our body telling us something. So when you're feeling anger, again, it's a trigger. It's information. Hey, let's dig in. What's going on here? Right. And anger is beautiful. Jealousy is beautiful. If jealousy allows us to see what's in someone else that maybe isn't awake within us. So jealousy is beautiful as well. We can see all of these emotions and we can get information from them. But with anger, for example, because I know so many people feel anger, I've dealt with anger, anger in the past. And it's really, there's a difference between anger and aggression. So anger is a beautiful emotion, just like happiness, just like anything. It's just information. Aggression is now you're taking it out on someone else. So that's where you have to, okay, wait, what's going on? That's where you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Or, or wreck yeah. a relationship as well. You could wreck your marriage, your, your relationship with your best friends or whoever it is. So that's very, very yeah. important. And so there's, we've, we've learned from the past, maybe our parents, we saw a lot of aggression. And so we've related aggression to anger, but it's not anger. Isn't an anger is a secondary emotion, which there's usually something else underneath. It's usually hurt. And therefore we, we get angry because hurt is weak. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So those are different things that to, to kind of look around with that because emotions are so powerful and it's really like the clouds in the sky. They should, emotions are energy emotion. We should feel it and they should pass. And then you, know, you would never be afraid of, I'm going to get stuck in happiness, right? Like we're not afraid to go to happiness because Absolutely. we don't like, you're not going to get stuck there, <laughs> but we're afraid to like feel into our emotions of sadness of whatever, because we're like, Oh man, if I go there, I'm going to get depressed and I'm going to stay there. But no, emotions pass by just like the clouds, right? Like they just, we should feel them. We should get the information from them and then we should move on. I love that. I, f- I feel like I'm yeah. part of a therapy session. So I apologize to anyone who's listening because <laughs> I-, I could speak about this forever because I find it so fascinating. And again, I just hope there's obviously somebody who's going through a similar situation to myself that can pick up from that. So let's try and yeah. take something tangible then. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. But in terms of healing them, one, obviously recognizing if there is something that you're doing on a daily basis, we need to obviously assess it. So that's like the first step. But are there any tips that maybe somebody could implement today or within a week or in a month? That's quite easy to do. That doesn't necessarily cost them a lot of resources or money, for example, that they could just start doing now. Because one of the things I want to try and do is give people as much information as possible to start changing their life literally right now. Yeah. So the main thing with any of this work, I think any personal development, self-love, all these different things, it's really awareness. Like you just said, it always starts with presence. You, you can't change what you don't know or what you don't realize. So you have to really get aware, get present and in the moment realize, okay, cool. This is what's going on. This is what's happening for me. And in that moment of the trigger, just, okay. Asking yourself, first of all, we hold on to so many beliefs that aren't even ours. They're not, we, we pick them up from our parents, from society told us that this is how this person has to act towards me. Society told us that, you know, we've, our, our parents, our grandparents, our kids, or we pick beliefs up from other people. So the, the two questions that I like to ask is, is it true? First of all, is this belief true? And is it mine? 
you know, am I getting mad or is this happening just because, you know, like, first of all, is it true that this person has to act this way around me? And then is this my belief or what do I truly believe? So I think it's really about presence and then curiosity. I love that. Just get, getting really curious. What, what's coming up, what's going on? What would the highest, best, most authentic version of myself do in this moment? Am I coming from a place of fear or am I coming from a place of love? With higher quality questions comes higher quality answers. Absolutely. I absolutely love that. So you, you mentioned present and curious, and those are two traits that my wife has in abundance. So she's always preaching about meditation and she's always telling me how I need to be more present because I, I suppose a lot of my life I'm kind of on autopilot, but she's also very, very curious as well. So it's weird that you kind of mentioned those two things. So as an exercise for a listener, is it my belief? I think that is such an important thing because we are given literally limiting beliefs from people around us. And that kind of shapes our whole view on the world. That is such an easy exercise and so powerful to you. So I want to kind of delve into you then as a person who kind of knows this now. So I feel like I'm at the self-awareness stage of my anger issues. Well, actually, let's, let's take that back. I don't have anger issues, but I do know it's something that I need to work on. You've now gone a few levels above that. What kind of self-love habits do you do on a daily basis that maybe help you move forward? So presence, again, um, meditation has been the biggest thing that has helped me through everything everything meditation and not only meditating in a quiet room and while you're just sitting there, but taking meditate, like, cause that's easy, right. To just kind of sit there and pay attention to your thoughts. And it doesn't have to be like stilling your mind either. Some people are like, Oh man, I can't, how do I shut my, my thoughts off? I suck at meditation. It's not, you get, you have to continue to do it. Right. And it's not about really just making your mind's not going to go still, but really more taking control of your thoughts because you control your thoughts. But so often throughout the day, we just allow them to take over us. Right. And we are just reacting, 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 reacting versus being proactive. And so meditation has been huge. It's helped me so much, not only in like a quiet room, but taking it to the outside world. That's like when you master it, when you're able to be really present and watch your thoughts as you're just going through life. Right. That's, that's true mastery. Um, and then, other practices that have really helped me, um, mirror work, like waking up every single morning. And this might sound cheesy to some men, but waking up every single morning, looking at myself in the mirror and sending myself love physically, like feeling my heart, imagining it as like this warm light, pink light, blue light, white light, whatever you want to imagine it as, and just sending it through the mirror. And I mean, one thing that can be really triggering for people is actually standing in front of a full length mirror, either in your underwear or naked, whatever it is, and going like scanning your body, stand, uh, starting from the top of your head and scanning your body. And anytime that you feel a negative thought come through, starting at back up at the top and trying to get through everything and just like sending yourself love, sending yourself, not allowing these negative thoughts to come through. And if they do starting back up at the top. So those are some different practices. Um, but yeah, really, really being getting really present anytime that I'm triggered. I think the mastery of all of these things put together has really been seeing everyone else as a lesson and embodying the belief that I'm fully supported and that life is happening for me, not to me. Like every single thing is a lesson. Every single thing is a blessing. Absolutely. I love that. I love that self-love 
mirror work that you just mentioned there. And that's actually a great segue to something that I did want to talk about on this show, having read your story. And it was one of the it was one of the most interesting things because I, I read that post and actually went back and read it again because I it's almost like in my eyes, if I was following you, that would be the point. I'd be like, okay, now I know who this person is, not the mask or the facade that many of us kind of put on. And again, I'm saying that from a very small amount of research into your story. So this was about when you initially had breast implants to then getting them removed. And I want you to explain that in your own thoughts, in your own words. I firstly, the decision to obviously get them, but then the decision to remove them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I got them fresh out of high school. Every single woman in my family has breast implants. It's the most normal thing in the world. Right. And I came to it as, you know, I'm not enough unless I have breast implants too. I was not blessed with huge breasts. So I was, you know, I wanted to attract men. I thought I won't be loved unless I look this way. I won't be accepted unless I look this way. Not only in my family, but in society, men, college, social media, right? I was also in the fitness industry. So I was trying to do like bikini competitions, worst decision of my life, but I was doing those things. And It really was, um, I got them because of that. I got them because I wanted to look a certain way. And then fast forward 10 years, I've done all this work. I had my eating disorder. I had all these things. I realized smaller or bigger breasts did not make a difference. Like I had them and I was still, I still felt the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I felt fake. I felt like there was this mask, like, and so 10 years later, when I started doing really self inquiry, I started seeing, I was like, man, these are, there's like fake balloons in my body. Who says that this is okay to have. Right. And so as I was doing a lot of this self-love work, I, and even, you know, I tell my, when I told my family, they were like, Oh my God, what do you mean? How are you going to be okay with yourself? Yeah. Right. Like, how are you going to be okay with the fact like they're not, they're get, they're not going to look good. They're going to be small and then they're going to be like stretched out. So it's not going to look good at all, you know? So, um, it took so much of this self-love work and doing it really made me realize how far I had come. Absolutely. Yeah. To look at myself in the mirror afterwards and just feel, I, I honestly felt so much more love for myself than ever before. And so much more compassion for myself because I just felt that I had put my body through something that, you know, I was like, I, I'm so sorry. I, th- I ever thought you weren't worthy or you weren't good enough. Like, I'm so sorry. I ever put you through that, put things in you that weren't, you know, I'm like the more research I did, the more I was like, wow, my, my, um, immune system is just fighting against them all day long. And so you see women that have so many health issues and it's because of their breast implants, because their immune system doesn't function as it's supposed to, because it's all day, it's working to get rid of this thing that's not supposed to be in there. So it's, it was, it was a really, really beautiful journey to, to finally get to that place. And I love them now. Like now I look at my breasts and I'm like, I love you so much. I'm sorry. I ever did that to you. (laughs) (laughs) that in itself is such a beautiful message that can almost be translated so even for the men listening to this podcast as well i've seen guys i was in the fitness industry myself for 
quite a long time as well. You see it with people taking steroids, for example, for the wrong reasons. And you see people chasing a six pack, for example. You see some of the craziest things that people do. And even using that analogy, for example, money, we always hear that the richest among us will always say that it's not money that buys them happiness yet. For those of us who may at one stage not have that money, we always think, well, it's easy for you to say. But I know myself, now I'm not speaking as a multi-millionaire, but I'm speaking as somebody who has come from very humble beginnings to having more money than I know what to do with on a daily basis to recognizing that they don't affect my levels of happiness, if that makes sense. I've also gone mm-hmm. from being very, very overweight and having breast myself at some stage at university from too much alcohol to having a six pack and 5% body fat. And again, on both ends of the spectrum, there was no level of extra happiness with the six pack as opposed to having man boobs effectively. So what I recognized was it was just about being comfortable in your body. So now I sit at about 15 to 16% and I'm much happier because I have enough energy to do all of the things I want to do. I'm not overly focused on the way I look and I'm just happy in myself. We all need to kind of find that medium. But I think one thing that's amazing with your story, knowing from where you came from and how you told that was you're surrounded by all these individuals with these beliefs that you need breast implants, for example. And that to come out of that society, that's very, very difficult. So one of the things I try to do with Find Your Voice is to try and take people out of their current situation because it's their current situation that's not serving them. And I want them to obviously find their voice. And in order to find your voice, you need to be out of that and you need to connect and start to, i.e. love yourself. So I think that's a really, really fascinating journey. How long did that take you? Probably the 10 years that they were in there. But it, in, and again, it, it was all that self-inquiry that allowed me to do it, to get away from what my family thought. Is, is that my belief or is that theirs? Is that something that I adopted from them? Is that, is that my belief? You know, is that what I want for my body? So I love that. I love, I love that you mentioned that because Absolutely. yes. And, I, and I, wanted, I wanted you to say something longer. So again, it's, it's the same with social media. Everyone wants it today or tomorrow. Everyone wants to listen to this episode and instantly they feel, well, I don't love myself all of a sudden. It's a process. It takes time. It may take somebody one year, but it may take somebody 10 years. But that process is so fulfilling and so, so great. Because I was, I was, I'm going off on a tangent here. I do apologize, but one of the things me and my wife, we always set goals and I love your relationship with your husband because it's like teamwork makes the dream work. And that's kind of our motto as well. And one of the yeah. things was, I feel like I've hacked the system very early because I, I want to achieve a lot of money, financial success, because I can do more with it. I can help more people. I can help my family. I can do all the charity work. But at the same time, I can still be happy on this process of not having that money or even being close to it. And just recognizing that that money in my account, for example, isn't going to dictate my levels of happiness on a daily basis. So I really want, I kind of want to, I don't know how to give it, but I want to give it to the audience and just let them know that they can literally choose to be happy, not just in their own bodies and their minds now, but they can choose to be happy in whatever they're doing now, just with the right perspective. Yes, (laughs) Yes. no. And I agree completely. And that's the stance that I take on nutrition is we usually want to lose weight not because of the actual number on the scale, but because of the feeling that we believe that losing that weight will give us. Right. And it, and the thing is you can feel that right now. Like you can choose to feel that right now. If you want to feel wealthy, if you want to feel happy, if you want to feel, you can feel that right now. It's all, it's an inside job. It all lies within. And so I love that you say that because you can in a, in a second choose to be happy. It is a choice. Absolutely. It is being confident, all those different things. It is a choice. And so what are you focusing on? How's your physiology? How are you standing? Right? Because emotions, we act them out. Like if I told you, Hey, get depressed right now, you could get depressed right now. How? By changing your thoughts. What are you focusing on? And then you'd like 
bring your elbows in and your voice would change and your, your breathing would change. Like you act out sadness and depression. You can also act out happiness and put yourself in that state. Right. Tony Robbins talks about it all the time. That's why I love him so Change much. State. Absolutely. But even with, I love the name of your podcast, find your voice. You. I absolutely love it because I fully believe that suppressed expression and suppressed desires are what cause so much sadness and so much, I don't know, unhappiness, depression. It's really depression stems from desires that were never met. Right. So going out there, speaking your truth, doing what you want to do, get fulfilling your beliefs, your soul's purpose, whatever that might be. It's really, it's, it's so powerful and so amazing. I love it. But I love that. I am going to just segue ever so slightly because I could talk about this literally for hours on end. Um, so one of the things I want to ask you now that you're in such a great place and I do urge people obviously after this episode to follow all of your stuff because that thing about changing your state instantly, if you just listen to your messages, you can, you're just smiling instantly because you, you bring that infectious energy with you. One of the things I want to ask you is with all your knowledge and all your wisdom now, what's your actual biggest fear? Do you still get those insecurities? Do you still have something that maybe you're thinking, ah, I just wish that doesn't happen? So with even like I just said, suppressed expression at a very young age, I was always like, I was taught to that. I would get love through yes. Looking a certain way, whatever, but also through just being really quiet, like being a really good girl, like don't say anything, don't do anything. My uncle used to tell me all the time. Um, he had a phrase of like, like what kids say matter less than dogs or something. Like it was just like a horrible phrase that he thought was funny, but it was not to me. And I picked it up. It was in Spanish, but anyway, um, I really like that really registered with me. Like what I say means nothing. I should just stay quiet and stay in the back of the room. So I became really, really, really introverted at a very, like I was super introverted back of the room, all those different things. Now with starting my business and doing all of this stuff, I've had to step into my power and push through some serious resistance because here's the thing. A lot of times we ask for something like we ask for more self-love. We ask to be kinder to ourselves, but when that thing comes, that's going to cause the growth. For example, uh, I don't know, like for me of, I, I'm, I asked to be more, to be able to speak my truth more, to be more expressed, Right when that opportunity comes of, okay, now go speak on this stage, we resist. We're like, Oh shit. No. And, and it's like, well, that's exactly what you asked for. Right. And the universe is giving you what you're asking for. So are you resisting that opportunity? Some people are like a lot of clients with me, they have kids and they ask to be more patient. And then when their kid is trying them, they scream and they go crazy, but wait, that was the exact opportunity for you to practice that patience. Right. So for me now with even finding my voice and speaking out, it's been pushing through the resistance of, you know, now I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable on podcasts now, but I'm actually doing tomorrow. I'm, or I'm sorry, Monday, I'm doing a WPTV, whatever. I'm going to be on a news channel live. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm freaking out. So these great. are my things that I've continued to work through is okay. You're enough. You're worthy. You like self, that's where like all these self-love pieces come through. Like I, you are enough. You got this. Cause then sometimes you're like, oh man, my imposter syndrome, like sh 
should I be on this news channel? Like, what am I doing? Or now I have some speaking gigs coming up and it's the first time I'm doing it. So I've gotten really comfortable on a podcast on Instagram, but still working through like that one-on-one you know, live or even going into a party and talking to people. And <laughs> yeah. So all those different things. That's fascinating. I, lo- I love that you just mentioned towards the end as well, the imposter syndrome as well, because so often we see people who are speaking, i.e. on stage. But when, when we see that and when, when uh, the listeners will follow that journey of yours, they're going to think, oh, well, it's all right for you. You're a natural extrovert or you're confident. But what they don't see is that's really, really difficult because... What you've said there is about saying yes to opportunities. So if you're asking for something, then you better be ready to say yes for that opportunity. Otherwise, you don't really want it. And one of the things I put myself on last year was I wanted to be confident. I didn't want to be the shy person in the room. So when you said that thing earlier, I remember growing up and one of the adults in my family says, um, when adults are around, you don't speak. So I kind of grew up in my early teens and I was labeled mute, i.e. silent. So I used to be very, very quiet. Uh, or network meeting events I was always the person at the back I'd always speak only when spoken to and it affected a lot of my life and probably didn't help my anxiety growing up as well and then only through saying yes to these opportunities because I never wanted to be that shy person I went through hypnotherapy I went to Toastmasters and anytime I was always asked to do a speech I didn't want to do it I promise you and I would just say yes I'd put my name down then I felt accountable and obliged to go with it but I can't tell you how much that helped me I mean I do videos now we're recording this live for YouTube I've only started this this year. So YouTube, I had gone 70 something episodes in. I was like, I can't speak to somebody while they're looking at me in case I say, uh, uh, or I mess up. And, you know, we've had technical difficulties today. I've had to change my headphones halfway through this. But I'm just embracing that because I'm just saying, actually, that's that's my growth. This is my journey of finding my voice as well. And I want people to see that transparency. So initially I was trying to hide that. And actually I'm like, well, that's not really being authentic. So anyone listening to myself or my guest, we all have that imposter syndrome. We all have those opportunities come our way and then it's up to us to then choose okay we've asked for it are we going to take that now so absolutely yeah yeah I love that you say that because it's so true it's not easy it's not not easy for it we just we're just choosing to to push through it right to not even to push I don't like to say like to put but like lovingly step into it with courage and um and that's where comparing yourself to other people, it's really not, you don't know what they're going through ever. You don't know what anyone's going through. Just like you have your stuff to work through. So does everyone else. And so you have to, you get to have compassion for other people and, and for yourself. I love that. I love that. Okay, Andrew. So we're now we're going to, oh, let me get my words out. There you go. That's a prime example of messing up your words live on show. So what we're actually going to do now is go into the fun part of the show. And this part of the show is just where I ask you a whole array of random questions. So 60 to 90 seconds, I'm going to be asking you some just general questions. So no pressure, as quick as you can, one sentence or one word answers only. Are you ready? No pressure. I'm ready. <laughs> You'll be great. Okay, we're going to go in three, two, one okay andrea the ability to fly or be invisible fly the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you that everything lies within to look within worst piece of advice anyone has ever given you i don't know to get my breast implant or to (laughs) do any show (laughs) money or fame i want to say money because i can give back more with money your biggest strength compassion what's your proudest achievement now helping the women that i'm helping so in the last 12 months of your growth, what's been your biggest mistake or lesson? I, there you go. Lesson. Letting my ego get in the way. Your favorite motivational speaker. Tony Robbins. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you spend it? Connecting with family. Love that. 
If you could get the listeners to practice one thing after this episode, what would it be? Meditation. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? I want to say hatred. Here's an easy one for you. Your favorite color? My favorite color, uh, like a light blue, baby blue. Okay, and finally, what song best describes your life? <laughs> so this is funny because this is just a song that I put on to get pumped up. Okay. This is not probably what describes <laughs> my life, but this is how I get in state. Is that song of like, all I do is win, yeah, win, yeah. win. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you have to... Uh, Prime your, like your manifestation and stuff, right? So I, I just put all of those different songs on and I'm like, yeah, let's I go. That. I love that. Okay, brilliant. So the fun part is done now and just two final questions, if I may. So one is about reflection and the other one is about legacy. So firstly, the reflection question. If you could maybe go back and whisper something, maybe before you were in high school and you thought, hey, I need those breast implants, for example, knowing everything that you know now, what would you say to yourself? I would really tell myself that I would whisper in my ear that I am so freaking worthy Absolutely. that I don't need the breast implants. I don't need the weight loss. I don't need anything. I am innately worthy. We're all innately worthy. And we're also, we also have so much potential, so much untapped potential that we let our fears come into. So I would let myself know that all those fears are just my brain worried about survival, but we don't have lions chasing us anymore. You know, like we're good. We're okay. Uh, like a comment on social media is so okay. Like we're not going to die. So just be letting myself know to let go of the fear. Like what's the worst that could happen and just stepping into my potential, stepping into my power, knowing that I'm so worthy, knowing that I have everything I need within me. I love that. And finally then, so the last question I always ask all of my guests is about legacy. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us, and all that exists is a book. And this book is about you. It's about your life and all of the amazing, wonderful things that you've done and said. Firstly, what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? Ooh. Hmm. The title of the book <laughs> would be just um, something along the lines of just letting go of conditioning and stepping into power or I can't figure out the right words right now, but I think that the back would tell us that, um, you know, this book is really about someone that went out on a mission against all odds, against everything that she was taught by her family, by everyone and really stepped into her power, learned to love herself and learn to pass that on to everyone that she came across to end dieting and the diet culture of everyone thinking that they need to look a certain way or do a certain thing, um, allowing people to just feel empowered and in love with themselves and their bodies and their life. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great message. So just before I end the show and give you a chance to let the listeners know where they can connect with you, which I strongly urge them to do. Is there any questions you wish I had asked you today or are there any final messages you'd love to leave the audience with? Not, not really. I think your questions were great. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all those things, things Andrea says, um, you can, my program is ditch the scale. So it's ditch And then, uh, my personal is also things So 
Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. What I will do is put all of that in the show notes just to make it a lot easier. You've dropped some incredible information today. I did feel literally like I was in a therapy session. Hopefully I can now bring my anger down, but there was some great tangible tips there for everyone who's listening in relation to self-love and just really doing the things that we need to do and understanding why we do them to really go out there and find our voice. So I just want to thank you so much for your time today. I know it's taken slightly longer. So for that, thank you so much. And for everyone else at home, thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.